Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good, broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the lands of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to them, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go with a three-day journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. For each woman shall ask of her neighbour and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewellery and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians." Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for that great reminder that you are merciful and gracious, that you keep your steadfast love for a thousand generations. And we pray, Father, as we think on those truths this evening, as we look at these passages, please help us, Father, to have every confidence in your ability to do that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, we're going to start with a game, and uh, hopefully this is going to work. 
Probably not, but uh, let's give it a go anyway. It's called Heads Up. Anyone heard of this? No. Okay, that's good. It's a good start. Okay, basically, what I've got to do is put a, a, a celebrity on my forehead, and um, you've got to guess. I've got to guess who they are. Okay? You up for this? And the way you help me... Oh, it's starting already. Uh, the way you help me is to kind of tell me things about them. Okay? And we can't really shout out because of COVID stuff, but just speak gently... Uh, and hopefully that will help. Now, I had a go at this earlier, and I didn't know half these people. So, like, who's that? Wow. Right, okay, we'll do this properly. Okay, can you see that? Does that say anything? I can walk around, can't I? Can you read something? Does it say pass? Do another one. Anyone know who that is? I'll keep going until I get a nod from this row. Is this going to work? I don't know why I'm looking at Steve. You're probably the wrong person. <laughs> Sorry. Right, let's... Anyone know who these are? No? All right, let's find one. Oh, here we go. I've seen that, though, haven't I? Oh, there we go. Right. Come on, we must find one. Sorry? Well, that worked well. Okay, we'll try it the other way around. <laughs> we'll try it the other way around. You be the forehead, and I'll help you out, okay? I'm going to find one I know. Get ready. Three, two, one. And I'm going to tell you about them. Okay, um, chat show host. Um, uh, used to do a kind of daytime chat show. Very famous. Um, uh, shares a name with a dog breed. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, well done. We're getting this. This is it. Okay, here we go. Um, who are these? Um, oh, no, I don't know who that is. I thought it was... Okay, um, he used to do Saturday Night Live. These are quite old ones, aren't they? Um, uh, his surname's a first name. Um, fairly old, funny. Um, used to wear a hat. Don't know Steve Martin. Never mind. Anyone know who that was? Okay, um, Scottish guy, DJ, producer, Calvin Harris. Well done. Okay. Well, that was a huge success, wasn't it? Where have I put my notes now? <laughs> Great. Um, now you get the point, don't you? You you can know someone uh, by their kind of characteristics, what they do, what they look like, kind of who they are. And um, I know this is uh, a little bit of a weird question, but I wonder what you would say if God came up on that. How would you describe him? Well, maybe you think to yourself, well, I'll describe him in kind of godlike characteristics. So he's big, powerful, holy. Or perhaps you kind of would shrug your shoulders and think, well, I, I can't possibly know what God's like. That's far too arrogant to claim we ever do. And maybe you just think, we can't know. Or maybe you sit there and think, well, actually... Who cares what God's like? There's nothing we can do about it, and it doesn't really affect me. But actually, in our passage tonight, we're going to see exactly what God's like, because he makes, us, he makes himself known to us. And we're going to see why that matters so much to us, why we can't just ignore that. Now, how do you get to know someone? Well, in the olden days, you used to speak to people and find out what they're like. But I know you guys don't do that anymore. There's something called the social media, yeah? 
Uh, <laughs> you, um, you find out someone, don't you, by going on their social media profile. And on their profile, what do you get? You get their name, you get their bio, and you get a kind of status. And uh, I think I'm you know, right on that. And here we see something similar. We're going to see God's name, we're going to see his bio, and we're going to see a status update, which is hugely important. See, first of all, we see here God's name. Now, um, we're going to have a little recap of what we saw last week. Anyone remember the object from last week? Chains, yes, well done. Someone was paying attention. And we, um, we had these chains, didn't we? Because, anyone tell us? Slavery, yes. Israelites are on slavery. Any prizes for guessing what our object is this week? The bush, yes. Now, I'm told this is very spiky. Yes, it is. Oh, oh. wow. Okay, but it's not any old bush. Because this is a bush that is on fire. <laughs> I'll just turn that around. Isn't that impressive? Isn't that, that's Fiona's handiwork. Well done, Fiona. And... Um, I was just going to get a bush and set it alight in front of you, but Fiona's done a better job because this bush doesn't burn up, uh, and we hope this one doesn't burn up because it's on fire uh, but stays on fire. Now, I realize that isn't something that happens every day. I know we're seeing it here right in front of our eyes, but it's not something that happens every day. And certainly, we don't get a voice from a bush speaking to us. And I guess that raises all sorts of questions. Why a bush? Why does God speak through it? And why does it not burn up? But actually, the the bigger issue here is not why a bush or why is it burning up, or not burning up, rather. Rather, it's on the identity of the speaker. See, God uses this a bit like a Bluetooth speaker to speak to Moses. And he says to Moses uh, something about himself. See, first of all, he says to Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to ask for the people to be freed from slavery, to to remove the chains. And then uh, Moses says to him, but if the people ask who you are, what shall I say? Have a look at verse 13. Uh, Here's what Moses asks. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And then here's what God says, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now, um, I've got some experience of names. I chose uh, three names for my three children. And um, we scrolled for hours through names, trying to select the right name. Let me say that I am was never one of them. Because I am isn't really a name, is it? See, I am just, well, it, I am. It's not, anything, uh, it's not anything like a name. But that's kind of the point, because God is showing that he's not defined by something else. Now, my middle son is called Samuel, and uh, that name, it comes from Hebrew, which means God hears, and it reminds us that actually God does hear us. And so when we think of Samuel, we think of God hears. And do you see the point? Samuel is kind of, he's he's kind of, he's defining himself by someone else, by God. But God doesn't do that. He just is. 
But even his name, he goes on to introduce his name in verse 15. And he says, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, chapter 3, where are we? Again, my hands are too cold to turn the pages, but there we are. Thank you. He says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Now, um, who's up for a bit of Hebrew? Who's up for a bit of Hebrew? Yeah, good, okay. Um, here we go. Here's, we're going to do a bit of this over the weeks. Uh, here's our first kind of Hebrew word. Um, okay. Um, so that is the word Yahweh. So that's a, a Y. Uh, that's a H. That's a, a kind of VW thing. Not VW, but you know what I mean. Um, and um, that's where we get that. And because there's no kind of vowels in Hebrew, you put vowels in, and you get this word, Yahweh, which is God's name. And verse 15, um, it's hard to spot this because the translators, for all sorts of reasons you can ask me about afterwards, um, put where it says Yahweh, they put the Lord in capital letters. So every time you read Lord in your Bibles, it's actually this word, Yahweh. Now, why does that matter? Well, because this word, it kind of, in Hebrew, sounds a bit like he is or he will be. So God is showing that he just is. See, he's undefinable. He's not like us. He's not like someone we can kind of pin down and describe. He's different. He's uh, above us. See, here's the point. If you go onto God's Insta page, if I can put it like that, and look at his name, it will read just, he is. Now, what does this mean for us today? Well, it shows us, doesn't it, that God does make himself known. See, a lot of people think to themselves, well, if there was a God, and a lot of people believe there's a God, you can never know him because he's kind of unknowable. And in some sense, they're getting at something right, that God's incomparable, but that doesn't mean he can't be known. Because God comes into this world and makes himself known to Moses. See, a lot of people imagine that if we're to know God, it's kind of a bit like a guess who game. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, guess who, it was a great game when I grew up, and the idea was you guessed the characteristics of the person, but God is not like that. He shows us himself. But here's the second thing we're going to look at. What is God actually like? Well, for second, the, the second point is we're going to look at God's bio and see what he's like. See, notice, um, let's have verse 15 again. Notice what God says after he uses the name the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. See, notice how God puts it. He says, I am the Lord, but I'm the God of Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham. Now, why do those three guys matter? Well, they are the three guys that God has made promises to. I remember back in Genesis, um, you've got God promising to Abraham that he will give Abraham descendants, people, children, that are, that are more vast than the stars in the sky. And here God is saying, look, I am the God who made those promises. In other words, God wants himself... I've got one of these things embedded in my finger. There we are. In other words, God wants himself to be known as the God who makes and keeps promises. 
I don't know if this is just me, but some names kind of fit with someone, don't they? And some names really don't. I don't know if you've ever heard yourself sort of saying that they don't, they don't look like a Steve. Or um, she really does seem like a Sophie. Do you ever say that, or is that just me? Now, I'm on dangerous ground here, but some names kind of won't fit certain types of people, will they? And um, I'm, I'm apologies if anyone's called these names. But if your name's Hercules, I think I'm pretty safe. If your name's Hercules, you don't, it wouldn't fit with a kind of guy who's short, uh, thin, and kind of timid, would it? It needs to be a kind of, well, you know, beefed out sort of guy. Um, the, the name Alfie, I don't know if this just does it for me, but Alfie seems like a kind of easygoing guy, the sort of guy you sort of hang out with. Hey, Alfie, how you doing? That sort of guy. If your name's Tyson, you're not going to be timid. I'm sorry, if your name is Tyson and you are timid. And the point is that actually names actually have some connection with someone's character. And um, that doesn't kind of work for us, but it really was the case in the ancient world. And here's the thing, God wants his name to be connected with the fact he keeps his promises. See, he is a promise keeper, and he never breaks his words. Now, a lot of us will hear that, and we think to ourselves, is that really true, that God keeps his promises? God makes all sorts of promises, doesn't he, in the Bible? He promises to work only good for those that he loves. He promises, for example, that suffering now will be incomparable with what he's got waiting for us in the world to come. He promises that in this world, he will never leave us or forsake us. But I'm guessing, and I include myself in this, at some point we will doubt that. We will think to ourselves, has God really, uh, not just has God said that, but does God really mean that? Is God really able to carry that out? And the answer comes in our final point, which is where we see God's status update. See, God speaks to Moses once more. See, um, uh, Moses at this point is kind of not doing very well. He kind of doubts what God's like. He doubts his promises. And the reason is, is because things have got a whole lot worse. See, Moses goes to speak to Pharaoh and says to Pharaoh, excuse me, would you let the people go? And Pharaoh says... No, but also, um, you shouldn't even be asking me, and you're only asking me because you've kind of got nothing to do. So what what I'm going to do is take away all the building materials uh, for you to make bricks, and you're going to have to make the same bricks. So it's like your teacher's saying, um, you're not allowed to use any pencils or pens, but you've got to produce the same sort of homework every week. Um, And um, I know you don't use pencils or pens, whatever, computers, iPads, that sort of thing. Um, And it gets a whole lot worse. And Moses cries out to God. Here's what he says, chapter 5, verse 22. I don't think we got it on the screens, but do turn it up. Here's what Moses says. O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Do you hear what Moses is saying? He's saying, look, I've gone in your name the promise-keeping name, and here's what he says, you've not delivered. I guess many of us know what that's like. We think to ourselves, well, God's promised this, but it hasn't come true. My prayers are not answered. My life doesn't feel like he's by my side. And so, God, have you delivered your promises? And God says to Moses, look at what I'm going to do. See, in chapter 6, verse 6, he says this, 
Say therefore, chapter 6, verse 6, have we got that on the screen? He says this, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, the promise keeper, your God. Do you see the point? God's saying, you will know that I'm a promise keeper. You'll know that I keep my promises. How, when you see me, redeem you from the powers of Egypt? In other words, God is saying, look at what I do. Look at what I'm about to do to Egypt. And so next week and in the following weeks, we're going to see God come up against Egypt. And as we do, we're going to see what he's like. But how does that affect us today? Well, we look to God's rescue, not just from Egypt, but in Jesus Christ, don't we? See, actually, Jesus doesn't just save us from Pharaoh and a kind of uh, slavery in Egypt. Of course he doesn't. But he saves us from far greater enemies, from sin, from death. Uh, Jesus does come with an outstretched arm, but it's his own arms that are outstretched on a wooden cross. Jesus comes with mighty acts of judgment, but it's not judgment against Pharaoh and his enemies. It's judgment he takes on himself. See, if we doubt that God keeps his promises, God says, look at my redemption. Look at what I do to save you. And so that means for us, if um, we're trying to know God, we look at the cross. We look at the resurrection, and there we see that God keeps his promises. And if he has kept his promises there, he will certainly keep his promises to come. Now, maybe we're here and we're kind of not quite sure whether we're Christian. Well, this reminds us, doesn't it, that we can know what God's like. And the way we know what God's like is we look at him in the person of Jesus and we look at what Jesus has done. And that's how we know him. And if we're kind of trying to find out a bit more about God, that is the place to start. We may have all sorts of questions, but the place to start is with Jesus because Jesus shows us what God's like. But for those of us who do trust in Jesus... This reminds us, doesn't it, that we have a God who keeps his promises, that will not let us down, and we know that because of what he's done in Jesus. Let's pray, and then we go on to our next song. Father, we thank you that you have made yourself known. Thank you, Father, that you do not forget any of your promises. And we pray that whatever we go through, Father, we would have great confidence in your ability to keep your promises. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we're going to have our Q&As with Rob. Sorry about the mask. Malcolm's a bit gammy. Can you take it off? Rob. Right. Is that the first question? (laughs) No, it isn't. Um, So, Rob, um, first question. Um, What was it again, Sorry. About the burning bush. Yeah, yeah, sorry. My mind's gone blank, sorry. Yeah, these are a complete surprise, by the way. (laughs) Well, we've got two questions here. Rob, the first question I'm supposed to be asking you, but my mind's gone completely blank. Bush. Sorry. Um, Why does God speak for a burning bush, Rob? Uh, Good question. Um, (laughs) 
To be honest, um, I don't think it's clear cut, but there's a bit of kind of there's a few ideas. Um, we do get told about fire once more in Exodus. So uh, God leads the people through a pillar of fire. So it kind of symbolizes God's presence. Um, so that doesn't really help explain why, but it does kind of show us that God's kind of present. Uh, and he says to Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on the holy ground. So it's meant to symbolize God's presence. Um, the answer I quite liked, and I'm like only 60, 70% on this, is that in some ways God is showing that he can um, undo the kind of natural state of things. So um, the bush is meant to just be a bush. It's not meant to be on fire. And fire, when it burns things, it's meant to destroy something. And in a way, God's showing Moses what he's going to do to Egypt, that he's going to make uh, natural things do different things. So does that make sense? But that's... No. Okay. <laughs> um, that's my kind of 70% answer. We've got one from Give Gaff. Um, first question, Rob. Robert. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a risk that we get carried away with the idea that we can know God, so much so that we... Sorry. So much so that we leave no room for mystery, the Bible isn't exhaustive after all. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so... That, that passage in chapter 3 is really helpful on this, isn't it? Because both those kind of ideas are there, that God's incomparable, he's just I am or he is. And so in one sense, we can't know God um, exhaustively. We can't know everything about God. So um, the posh... Forgive me, yeah. I guess the, the comparison would be... Um, yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry. I was just going to get carried away, but we haven't got much time. So, yeah, we can't know everything about God, but the question is, can we know anything about God? And those two things are differently. Um, so um, the answer to the first question is, no, we can't know everything about God. There is kind of mystery in the sense we don't know everything. But the second thing the Bible says is that we can know something about God. And here's the amazing thing. Because Jesus is entirely God himself we can know that what Jesus tells us about God is entirely true. See, if Jesus didn't know God, or if he wasn't God, then we wouldn't necessarily know that we can know God, if that makes sense. But because we could, Jesus is, we can look at him and know him. So yes, we shouldn't pretend we know everything about God. Of course we don't. But that doesn't mean we can't know anything. Cool. Uh, last question. Here we go. This phone is shocking, by the way. Nokia. <laughs> Blimey. I had that in 1997, I think. Three years older than me, that is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. <clears throat> we can look back on the cross, ETC, to seek God keeping his promises. But for Moses, the signs are future things. Uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Um, serving, serving God on the mountain. And then chapter 6, verse 6, deliverance from slavery. How does this change how we relate now. Yeah, thank you. So I think the question's asking, Moses is a bit different to us because he's going to see something happening in the future. Is that right? And, and we're kind of different because we don't quite see that. The first thing to say is actually Moses finds it very difficult to believe God. Um, you think that a bush um, burning that doesn't really burn, God's speaking to him and he gives Moses all sorts of signs. That would be enough. But Moses doesn't believe uh, for a long time 
Um, but actually, by the end of the book, when he sees how God's worked and brought them out of Egypt, then he does. And um, it is actually quite similar for us, because actually the Bible tells us that most of what God has promised has already taken place. All the difficult things, all the really big things, like um, not being enemies with God, but being friends and having our sins completely forgiven, all those things are actually done. And um, we um, look not to the future for confidence, like Moses was, but we look back. So yeah, we are different to Moses. Moses is kind of looking ahead. Uh, And we are looking ahead in some ways, but we've got so much more behind us to look back on. Uh, to give us confidence. Does that answer the question? I think so, yeah. Well, what do you... <laughs> yeah? Yes, no, maybe. Uh, Great. I think that's, that's it, yeah? Great. Thank you. So um, each week we've been having someone to interview, and whilst we do get to see a lot of Rob on a Sunday, we actually don't necessarily get to know him any better. So this Sunday, we're going to get to know Rob better. This is the final time I'm coming up. (laughs) You're welcome. So, um, Rob, um, so some of us might know you at different amounts, um, but a lot of us look up to you as someone who just knows lots about the Bible. But, obviously, um, everyone's learning more about God at different things. What kind of new things have you been learning about God recently? Mm. Oh, really good question. Really good question. Um, Yeah, I think God has been showing me Um, particularly, I was quite struck at this over Christmas and just a bit of January, that actually his word is enough. Mm. And um, I guess we want all sorts of ways to kind of comfort us and to assure us. And the incredible thing is that God's given us the Bible to do that. And um, I kind of knew that, but I think looking particularly at Luke and Exodus again, I just remembered, actually, that's that's really cool. And the Mm. Bible is enough. That's really great. Really useful as well, thanks. Um, so you sort of, talking about your word, you obviously get to pick what series we do, and we're in Exodus, which we're loving. Um, but what do you want us to be seeing from it? What do you want us to go away? What do you want our oomph moments to be um, as we're sort of going through this book? Yeah, a great question as well. Um, uh, so um, <laughs> I don't know if I've said this to you a lot. Forgive me if I am. I'm getting old. I forget things. So just bear with me if I do and just nod and go, yeah. Um, So, uh, the thing about Exodus is most of us think Exodus, we think plagues and we think rescue from Egypt. But actually, only seven chapters of this book, I think, are about the plagues and about the rescue. There's another, there's 40 chapters, so what's that, 36 chapters that are not about, I'm joking, 33 chapters, uh, not about the plagues, you weren't listening to me, uh, not about the plagues or the um, kind of removal from Egypt. There's actually massive bits about the tabernacle, massive bits about how people were to approach God, and lots of bits about how the people relate to God. Now, the reason I'm telling you all this is because I want us to see that actually Exodus is far bigger than the kind of dramatic bits that we see in cinema films. Actually, the bigger thing going on in this book is the thing we've seen tonight, that God wants us to know him. See, I was saying to the people this morning that one of the big questions I've had with this passage today is, why aren't we in the plagues yet? I mean, God's seen them. He's seen the suffering. Why doesn't he kind of kick off and get the plagues going? And the reason is, is because of what we've seen tonight, which is that God wants us to know us, uh, wants us to know him through what he does. And so I'm really excited about that because uh, it's a chance to know this God again. Uh, We can know him. And uh, I hope that as we go through Exodus, 
Um, we are going to start to know this God better and better and better through the weeks ahead. Mm, that's great, thanks. Um, and then tonight you've been chatting about names um, and you were helping us get thinking about what names, um, what does an Edith look, Edith look like, what does a, a Beryl... But um, what we really <laughs> sure want to know those, is... <laughs> What, what we really want to know is what names have you been called? Are you, are you deep down a Robbie at heart? Um, <laughs> and if not, what are you hoping... You know, is, would you like to be a Robbie if you haven't been a Robbie? These are really serious questions, which uh, are <laughs> really encouraging. Um, I'm not going to tell you some of the names I've been called. I'm not going to give you any ammunition. Uh, well, maybe I'll give you a little. Um, I've been called Crouchy. Because I am an incredible footballer. <laughs> uh, not. Uh, I, a lot of people call me um, Phil because of my surname. So if you shout Phil, I will respond to that as well as Rob. Great. But um, Reverend Robert Phillips will be fine for you lot. So <laughs> <take it. laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. I feel like we know you a little bit better. Oh, great. Um, and yeah, great. Thanks a lot.